Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 368, Joe and Big Al are asked to provide a simplistic way of framing how difficult it is, statistically and practically speaking, to time the market. Let's see if they succeed. Plus, backdoor Roth versus Roth conversions, rules, limits, and strategies for 401k and IRA contributions, moving retirement money between custodians like Vanguard and Fidelity, and some negative but very entertaining listener comments. But first, should a $100,000 inheritance be invested in tax-deferred, taxable, or tax-free accounts? And what factors should be considered when choosing large-cap value funds? Visit YourMoneyYourWealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send in your money questions. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. We got a voicemail. Can we play that? Hey guys, this is Craig up in the mountains outside Seattle. I called you before, still drinking the Jameson Castmate Stout. Try it if you haven't yet. Uh, anyway, so I'm pretty heavily weighted toward value in my overall portfolio, very high risk tolerance, uh, mostly small cap value, but my second largest exposure is large cap value. And right now, all of that is in VTV across my Roth IRAs and my brokerage account. Looking at where I can increase exposure, to large cap value and diversify away from just VTV. And so I'm looking at Invesco's RPV. I'm looking at Spider's large cap value fund, uh, SPYV, I believe. And then looking at Vanguard's VONV and VYM. VYM is their high dividend yield large cap value, and VONV is their pretty vanilla uh, one. 98% of VTV is already in VONV, so I would be doubling up there, which is fine. There's a reason I'm in VTV. But really looking at what factors you would recommend I look at more than others. Is it total amount of assets? Is it PE? Is it the amount of overlap I have? And, and uh, you know, just wondering how to evaluate it and make the right decision. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Craig. Just FYI, we. We have a new office in Seattle. We sure do. So maybe you can stop by with some Jameson. <laughs> can have a shot. We're, we're going to have to go up there just for that. Yeah. Um, all right. So he is uh, just loading up and, and and he's asking for advice on what fund to pick, um, which we don't necessarily do, but maybe we can give him some guidance. It, he's in a large cap value mutual fund or ETF. And he's also in some small cap. So he's like, he's looking for more exposure to large cap value. And so he names, you know, a bunch of different funds and was looking at, Hey, how do I get more exposure to the same asset class that I'm already in? And I'm already in basically an exchange traded fund that maybe covers all of the large cap value funds. So now you have to basically look at how the fund is structured, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, right. And I mean, if, if I take a step back, I, I would say small cap value historically has been the highest performing asset class. If you look back a hundred years, but you may have a decade or two of underperformance. So are you really willing to, to risk that based upon, you know, we don't, we don't know about your age and, and your investment horizon and that sort of thing. It's why we generally recommend a globally diversified portfolio. Yeah, but he's not asking that. I know, but but he, you know, you're giving advice or your unsolicited advice. <laughs> We're not here, right? He's asking, what should he do if he's looking for another value fund? I, I'm I'm suggesting that's not the right approach. No. Oh. However, answering that question, <laughs> okay. 
I can tell you what we appear look at. We we look at the size of the fund because we don't necessarily want to, and the age of the fund. We don't necessarily want a brand new fund with not a lot of assets because it, it makes it harder to trade and get fair pricing. Number one. Number two is we look at the expense ratio inside the fund itself. And then number three, obviously, is you look at the the investment strategy. And if the investment strategy is the same as what you already have, then what's the point of getting another fund? Right. That, that, I think that's the, the point. VTV, pull that up, Andy. But one of the things, I guess, our value funds that we use with our clients is probably different than what he's doing, you know, through Vanguard or through uh, Invesco, because you, you want to look at, this is a market cap weighted fund. And so you look, you can look at price and earnings ratio, which he, he asked, or we look at book to market ratios um, to de- define value. And really what that means is that a company has a book value, right? Just if you look at their assets and liabilities minus their liabilities and everything else that they have, and then there's a stock price. So you have the book value of the company versus the actual price. So book to market. And it usually in a value fund or value stock is that the book value is worth more than the actual price of the stock, because by definition, value companies are like in potentially distressed or uh, they're out of favor for some reason. And they're more risky. And over time, they, you achieve a higher expected rate of return because you're taking on that risk. So if you're in a market cap weighted ETF, and really what that means is that the most exposure you're going to have is the largest funds, right? So the really big value type funds or the, let's see, what is that? Berkshire is this the Hathaway, fund? yep. Johnson & Johnson, United Health, JP, yeah, JP Morgan. Morgan. So like Berkshire, 3% of this overall fund. So then you look at, okay, well, is there, um, and if it's market weighted, so Berkshire is a pretty big company, right? Sure. But the bigger the company, the safer the company Right. So you probably want to look at, all right, well, I, I, do I want to do a market weighted or do I want to do pro rata rated? I mean, there's different ways on how they structure the overall ETF. That could give you maybe a little bit of juice. But I mean, I think it's a redundant strategy. If you're going to look at this ETF that's large cap value versus another one that's large cap value, in most cases, you're investing in all those stocks. It, there's just going to be a ton of overlap. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I think if, to, to me personally, if you're going for high octane, I still would do more diversification, and I would I would load up a bit on emerging markets because that's a those are foreign co- uh, companies in emerging countries. Those tend to have an even higher expected return over time. Although, I mean, the last decade, neither one of these asset classes has done that well. So, does that mean the next decade they'll outperform? Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. That, that's why. We don't necessarily recommend loading up on just one or two asset classes because you you may like the last decade large company growth has been the best in the U.S. has right. been the best performing asset class and if you were small value and that's all you had you you missed a decade of growth yeah but large growth is now getting it just getting crushed you know the the big companies are just getting hammered yes they are right and then so you, you it's so hard to predict yeah. right so I like the fact that you're buying you know broad-based index funds that are low cost, but it's not like you don't need six large cap value funds, 
You need one. Right. I, 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 mean, I agree with that. It, it's just going to be a ton of overlap and you're not going to get any diversification there. So if you want small value, large value, that's great. But then like uh, Big Al said, now we're giving advice is that you probably should broaden it out. But with all these fun choices, they're all fine. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with any of them. Um, you just want to, if you want to get more like in the weeds with this stuff, you just want to look at how that fund is structured. Um, yeah. And you can look at book to market ratios. You can look at, uh, you know, price to earnings ratios. And, you know, I'm sure there's a thousand other ratios that you can look at, but th- there's going to be small, subtle differences there. Clint writes in email to Andy. Oh, Clint has learned that if he uh, wants to get a question answered, he can just email it directly to me. So unfortunately, that means that all the questions are being directed to me as well. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click on Ask Joe and Al on the air. We'll answer them. Yeah. (laughs) Or email Andy directly. Um, We'll still answer him. Hi, Andy. I recently received an inheritance of $100,000. I've been a letter carrier since 1993 and have both Roth and traditional versions of the TSP. I currently have a combined $300,000 invested. I have a current TSP loan of $35,000 at 2.5% for my residential home down payment that I made in 2017. I max out my Roth each year at $6,500, but fall short, I'm maxing out the traditional. Um, I probably invest closer to $6,000 in my traditional TSP. My first thoughts are using my inheritance of $100,000 to first pay back the TSP loan of $35,000, increase my traditional contributions to max out my traditional TSP. I will probably work another 20 years. I also recently refinanced mortgage to 15-year, 1.9. Where would you invest $100,000 inheritance? Thanks. Um, I think our man Clint is right on track. That's exactly what I would do. Pay off that loan that's in the TSP, max out the TSP, max out your Roth IRA, and refinance at 1.9, 15-year. Um, I would keep a couple of years in cash. Right, emergency funds. And then the rest, I would invest exactly like how you're investing in the TSP. What's your fund choice? What do you like? You know, what, what are you in? You can pick almost the identical funds. Of course, they're going to have different names. Um, but you could pick some index funds that you would invest right into a brokerage account that, you know, kind of mirror um, or give you broader diversification. It's funny, Al, is that people know how to invest in a 401k to some degree. Right. You know what I mean? Well, there's limited choices. So it's, you, you pick a few. Right. I mean, you check, I guess you check a box. Sure. And then it's like, it comes out of my, my paycheck and all right, I have my 401k. But then they get cash. Know it. And then they're like totally confused on what to do. Right. Right. And this is so common. It's like, what is the difference of investing in a 401k versus investing in a brokerage account? Nothing besides the tax. Sure. It's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and the other the other flavor of this type of question is a lot of people once when they get an inheritance, they want to know how to invest that without thinking about anything else. And it's like, no, no, this is now part of your overall assets, your net worth, your liquid assets. You look at this as a whole and figure out what the right investments for you to make. Now, in in a case of this, if you didn't already have assets out of retirement account and it's just the TSP, but you got a Roth, uh, you got a Roth and traditional version of the TSP. So now you've got 
assets in three different pools, if you will. You got the, the tax deferred, which we call taxable. You got the tax free, which is the Roth. And you got the what we call taxable, which is the non-retirement account. Now you can sort of pick and choose. It, it, once you figure out the right investment strategy, put your higher performing assets, more of the stocks in the Roth, because you're not going to pay taxes on that. Put your safer assets in the in the TSP traditional because that if that grows fast, you're going to pay more taxes. And then in the uh, non-retirement accounts, put whatever's left, right? Which will generally be a little bit more stocks. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Well, congrats. I think he's on the right path. Um, you know, pay down the debt, uh, save more. Uh, you got 20 years. You already have $300,000 um, saved. Yeah. Um, and if he can crank up that savings even more. Um, yeah, I think Clint's in, in, in a really good spot. Yeah, and I would I would agree. I definitely would pay up the TSP loan. Get, get that out of there. Properly locating your assets between your taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free accounts has the potential to improve your returns on your investments by reducing how much tax you pay. Get our free guide on why asset location matters and listen to our previous asset location discussions in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Access and share these free financial resources and ask Joe and Big Al your money questions. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes. Mark from Massachusetts writes and he goes, Joe in big boy Al, can you provide a simplistic way of framing how difficult it is statistically and predictably practically, sorry, <laughs> practically uh, speaking to time the market. One way of trying to imagine this is comparing uh, the perceptive loss of a predicted market decline against Oh, <laughs> Compensatory and consistent ascension patterns. Wow. <laughs> we'll have to have Andy help us on this. I'm not reading any more of this. Well, Andy, why don't you read it? Uh, if someone perceives a 50% market decline, they need to time their exit at the pinnacle of the loss in their entrance back in within one year of the compensatory ascension or roughly within the three years of the returning to market mean value. All this compresses Dramatically, as the decline shallows, for instance, you have to be more accurate if faced with a suggested 25% decline with your exit and entrance back in. In other words, I was hoping you could complete the Mad Lib. One should only exit the market if they predict a X or greater decline and should ensure their re-entry timeline does not exceed X. I feel confident that Pure Financial gets a lot of calls at a variety of different market decline levels. For instance, a 25% S&P 500 decline may induce 10% of your clientele to call. I'm not sure if you can speak to that action as well. I'm open to hear how all of these mental gymnastics make no sense to do and how we should all lead a simple life like you, Joe. Still driving my Mazda CX-5, lost my billions on a bad options deal. My miniature Dachshund or Dachshund helped ease my pain from this. Mm. Thanks, Mark in Massachusetts. Okay. Well, Mark, I think you asked, answered your own question. You've lost billions from making bad option deals. So don't <laughs> worry about it. Just do this simply globally diversified, stay invested. You know, there's been all kinds of studies that that beats the market timers, not always, but is as, as a general rule of, of, of course, that, that doesn't mean that certain people are, there are certain people that are very savvy in investing and can figure this stuff out or have ways to figure it out. However, I will tell you that sometimes the biggest gurus that get this right year after year after year, 20 years later, lose year after year after year, and they end up 
in the same place or worse than just staying in the market? You know, there's we're going through some extreme um, volatile markets. Sure, we are right now, and you know, there's there's panic and there's fear. So people try to, you know, I guess you know when when, when your car goes out of control, what do you do? You you, you know you, you you grip a little bit harder and you try to make the right decisions, right? And, and try to straighten out the car. But if you're from Minnesota like me, and all of a sudden you fishtail, right? Yeah, you've got to turn into the fishtail. Right. What do most people do? Well, it seems like the opposite of what you should do. You want to turn the other way. Exactly. So people turn the other way and they end up spinning out and crashing. Right. Right. Because you're turning into the opposite. You know, it's like, right. oh my, you almost have to do the opposite of what everyone, what, what your emotions and what you instinctively think that you should do. With everything else in life, if I want to learn how to play the guitar, I need to practice and work hard at, you know, learning how to play the guitar. So the more work that I put into it, the better I'm going to be. My golf game is awful, but I practice and I have coaches and I have everything, right? Because I want to be a lot better. So the more effort I put into it, sometimes it's the worst I play. Um, so it's almost the same as the market. Uh, but the market, the more people that they start playing with their money or they start moving stuff around, and especially if you know, emotions come into play, it's almost the opposite effect. The more you work, the worse you potentially do. It's uh, everyone hates hearing this. It's like sometimes you got to stay the course. Sometimes you just got to let things ride out as long as you have the right investment strategy and philosophy, right? Um, if you're in individual stocks, that could really blow you up. But if you're globally diversified, as Al said, low cost, tax managed, rebalance, manage the risk and making sure that your portfolio is based on your goals, then I, I, I think, you know, why try to time the market? Yeah, I think I think with a globally diversified, low cost index funds or ETFs type investments, your probability of success is greater to me. Than if you're trying to time the market, and that's been that's been shown time after time right. after time with studies. And my last time, just as a personal story, that I tried to time the market was right before the the Gulf War, and that was in the early '90s. And the market went down a bunch, and I thought, oh, this isn't this doesn't look good. I, I better get out. And then I waited and waited and waited to get back in, and the market went up and up and up and up. And then I went to a financial planner that said. Oh, you're a market timer. I didn't even know that's what I was. And I said, I guess so. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> I was just a young CPA, right? Anyway, so what I learned was that a globally diversified portfolio, you have to have the right portfolio. I mean, if you've got three stocks, then you're taking a ton of risk. But if you have two to five to 10 to 15 index funds that have different stocks within them, and you have the right allocation based upon your goals, then just stick with it. When the, when the market declines, then buy more, right? When the market goes up, then sell a little bit. You're constantly readjusting to keep your portfolio, which causes you to do the right things at the right time, which is buy low and sell high. And we want to do just the opposite, just like your analogy on driving in the snow. You know, it's th there are some people that can time markets. There are some people that have, you know, made billions and billions and billions of dollars, you know, being able to do it. Um, those are so far in few between. Yeah. But don't, don't you think that in many cases it tends to reverse over time? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you look at Bill M Miller, right? He beat the S and P 500 for X amount of your 20 some odd years in a row. And then all of a sudden he completely imploded. Right. You know, Peter Lynch, 
you know, was one of the most famous mutual fund managers. And yeah, I read his right? book and I thought, okay, that's yeah, how you're beat, supposed to yeah, do it. Beat the street, beat the street, beat right. the street with Peter Lynch. Right. right. So, you know, um, but you know, there's hedge fund managers. There's, I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, private funds and things like that, but I mean, that's like such a small, small percentage Mark from Massachusetts that writes like a professor that he, I, I know he was messing with me because there was no way that I could. <laughs> yeah. What is compensatory that. ascension? I have no idea. I'm, he knew I probably can. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. So Mark, good luck to you. I think he's, he's already blown himself up. So hopefully you learn from that. And yeah. And maybe you have learned and maybe you can figure out the Holy grail of investing, but in, in our way of thinking, it's a, it's a sure thing. It's it's, there's no guarantees in investing, but you have higher, greater, greater uh, chance of success in our way of thinking with a globally diversified portfolio, stick with it. When stocks go down, take your safe money and buy a little bit more to stay in balance. When stocks go up, take sell a little bit to stay in balance and you're constantly buying low and selling high which is the opposite of what most of us do uh we got john from virginia writes in he goes hi john big Al. love your show listen regularly i'm 53 i have no debt and recently retired i was a franchisee of one fast food restaurant that i sold in december for 5.3 million dollars what do you think what kind of fast food good question you don't, there's no vegan fast food, is there? Not really. No, don't go to them much. If I, if I have to go to fast food, I probably, what would I pick? I probably would go to a, I go to a Mexican place, get, Chipotle? A, get a bean burrito. Oh, yeah. yeah got it. Um, is Chipotle, is that, is that fast food or is that fast food fresh? It's pretty, it's pretty fast. I mean, wow. The marketing drive. has worked on you. You, you don't oh. drive through, but it's pretty fast. Got it. Depends on the line. <clears throat> Um, I have money invested, but my question is about 401k money. Uh, due to the sale of the business, I recently had to close down my company 401k plan. I transferred my 401k money to an IRA with a local investment company. I had $733,000 in my 401k when I moved it to an IRA. I met with my advisor today in that due to my age, I may want to consider doing a backdoor Roth conversion. Tax-free growth and no RMD sounds great, but I'm having trouble swallowing the tax that would be due if I did this. Taxes would be somewhere in the $330,000 range. Is this a smart thing to do, or should I do it in smaller amounts so I could stay in a lower tax bracket? I'm not sure what my income will be in the years ahead, other than I do have a couple of rental properties and we'll bring in roughly $35,000 of income. What is your opinion on this backdoor Roth? Does this make sense to me or for me? Well, first of all, I don't think he means backdoor Roth. I think he means Roth conversion. Well, if his advisor is giving him that advice and saying, we're doing this backdoor Roth and it's going to cost you $330,000 in tax, you should fire your advisor. True. Uh, and, and if the advisor is telling you to do convert the entire thing and go ahead and pay the 330,000, then also fire the advisor. Either, either way. Either way is good, John. Because what John hit the lottery, right? So he's got his fast food restaurant. Yeah. He sold it, got a big payout. Yeah. $5.3 million. Sure. And then he has a 401k plan of 700,000. Right. So if I take 700 into 5.3, I mean, that's a pretty small percentage of his overall liquid assets. Sure. Even though it's a big number. And he's 53 years old. 
Right. He's got 20 years before he's forced to I, pull any of this money out. Totally agree. And he may have more than that because they keep changing the RMD age later and later. So, so John, the, the concept is to figure out the appropriate tax bracket to convert up to. Maybe it's 12%, maybe it's 22%, maybe it's 24%. That's where you need to do a little analysis, convert to that level this year, next year, the following year, and so on, and get this done slowly over time so you're not paying maximum taxes here. Yeah, you, you can slowly bleed this thing out. And if they, you know, if they change the law, then you can reevaluate. John, a backdoor Roth is when you make an IRA contribution and then you convert that IRA contribution. Uh, but then you have to be careful of pro rata rules and aggregation rules. Since you rolled your 401k into an IRA, and it sounds to me that you don't have any earned income, um, you might have had for last year. So you could have done a backdoor Roth if you kept the money in a 401k and you made an IRA contribution. Um, I'm assuming because you sold this in your ordinary income was probably X amount of dollars that you probably didn't qualify for a regular Roth IRA contribution. So A, you could have made a non-deductible IRA contribution and converted it. That would have been a tax-free transaction. So it, even though it's only six, 7,000 bucks, that's the backdoor Roth. Since you rolled your money 401k dollars into the IRA, it blew up the pro rata rules because now you have 753,000 or 733,000. But to be honest with you, it, it's not that big of a deal. Right. I would just start slowly converting the $733,000 out. Yeah. And, and so you say your rental property is 35,000 of income with the standard deduction and depreciation. Let's assume you got zero taxable income. And then I don't know if you're married or single, but but you pick a bracket. And I, I would be comfortable maybe with you even going up as high as the 24% bracket, but you don't have to go that far probably because it's not like you have a fortune in the IRA, number one. And number two is you have almost 20 years to do these conversions. So, so don't pay any more taxes than you need to. Michael from uh, Florida writes in, when I retire, is there a way any way to move funds in my Roth 401k to my Roth IRA, or do I have to sell the funds? Uh, the 401k is with Fidelity and would like just to move uh, my funds to Vanguard Roth. Is If not there, um, could I move the particular funds to my Fidelity Roth? Uh, good question. So he's got a 401k that has funds. He doesn't want to sell the funds. Yeah, he'd like to do an in-kind convert or not a rollover. Um, I believe, I, I don't know the plan document and what company that you work for, but um, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I think in most cases with a 401k, they, they send you a check, right? Yes, they send cash. Yeah. Um, unless you have company stock, they'll send company stock. Sure. So um, that, that's, the, that's the problem with rollovers because some, sometimes the company drags their feet and then all of a sudden you have you know, money sitting in cash for you know, two to three weeks because you're waiting for the rollover check and the rollover check comes and then the check is going to be made out to the custodian right. uh, for the benefit of you, but it could come to your house and then you got to take that and then you got to, you know, bring it back to the custodian or to your Vanguard account. Right. And then you got to buy the, the yeah, same, then you got to buy the funds, same and, funds that you want to buy. Yeah. So it's a bit more of a hassle than probably it should be, but that's, that's the way most plans, most 401k plans are. So, um, but if your 401k is at Fidelity, 
um, I would talk to them. Maybe you you have a brokerage link that might be able to do some some different things uh, with your plan document. It's all up to your company. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's plan it's specific. Plan specific. Yeah. It's not under the 401k rule. It's under the plan rule because I know there's some plans that allow um, securities to get transferred out. So, right. Okay. Um, we got, hi, Joe, big Alan, Andy. I absolutely love your podcast and has been inspiring me to start the CFP program. All right. Great. Uh, your listeners will be envious of me cruising the Memphis streets in my flashy 200,000 mile, 200 or 2008 Honda Odyssey minivan coming home to sip a seven seven next to my German shepherd in Labrador retriever by the fire. Oh, you can just picture that. I can. Got a nice little minivan <laughs> cruising the street. <laughs> right. Oh, maybe a little seven and seven little Seagram's. Uh, my sister asked me a question that I cannot find the answer to. Uh, I know that the only people more knowledgeable than the internet are you guys, and I'm hoping that you can help. Uh, she is single, turned about 50 this year, and leaving her current job in March for a job that pays her almost four times her current salary. She was covered under a 401k plan under her current job. Her new job won't allow her to participate in their 401k plan until six months of employment, which would be September. Her new salary will significantly exceed the 144k limit that allows her to contribute to a Roth IRA. I know that there are no limits on salaries that allow you to deduct your traditional IRA contributions if you are not covered by a 401k. In this case, though, she is only covered by a 401k for part of the year. Is she allowed to make a deductible IRA contribution this year? And what would be the limits for her 401k contribution and IRA contributions this year? Joe, my buddy Jake in Bolivia, who wrote in before, and I are ready to hit some golf balls, with you at 13,000? 13,000 feet. Oh, that's cool. I think your golf ball would go a long way there. We're just waiting on your phone call. <laughs> All right, brother. I'm down. Um, you got to go to Bolivia. Get... <laughs> I'd love to. 13,000 feet? That's how high Bolivia is? Uh, yeah, there's some mountains down there. All right. Where's Memphis 13,000 feet? No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah. Let's, 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 okay. Let's, let's make it a little, this is complex. Um, I, you know what? I, I have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> I would, I would say, um, well, let me ask, answer one question. And, and that is once you have even a dollar going into a, a, an employer, a 401k or retirement plan, you, you are an active participant for that year. End of story. So I don't care that she wasn't covered for six months. You can't do anything pro rata. She is an active participant for that year. End of story. So, and, and even you didn't make a contribution in your 401k, but your employer did a little tiny profit share of a couple of dollars. You are an active participant for that year. Um, she could still fully fund the 401k plan. Yes, for sure. Right. She got September, October, November, December. She would just have to, you know, crank up the, the percentage of what is going in. Yeah, that's right. And and I don't know, did she have a 401k in her prior job? I mean, you, you can't double up on 401ks. So like, let's say you put in 10,000 in one 401k, you could only put another 10,000 in the other one. 
or 26,000, depending upon your age, over 50, under 50. I guess it says she's turning 50. Got it. Your retirement contribution strategy is probably completely different than the one for Greg's sister. Schedule a free financial assessment with one of the experienced financial professionals on Joan Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. They'll take a close look not only at your current financial situation, but also your specific retirement needs and goals, your tax liability, your ability to tolerate risk, and many other factors to help you develop a comprehensive financial plan that reduces your taxes and makes the most of your retirement. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, then click get an assessment and schedule a no cost, no obligation financial assessment at a time and date convenient for you. Uh, Let's see. I'm advising my daughter in the Marine Corps to invest only in Roth. Pay taxes now. Tax rates will probably go up. If she can keep her taxable retirement under $40,000, then her social security will be tax free also. The only problem I see is the cost of housing. Renting or buying may be too expensive. Uh, is there a question here? I think the question is, is that a good idea? <laughs> sure. It's a great idea. Yeah, I like it. I like it too. Generally, when, you, um, when you're in, have, you know, p- being paid lower amounts and, and Marine Corps in general, you're, p- you're being paid a lower amount than other types of jobs, let's say in, in corporate America business, then you want to have the money going into a Roth. I guess the, I guess the problem is maybe with a Roth, there's no tax deduction. So there's less take-home pay and the take-home pay might be hindrance in housing. I think, I think that's what the inference is maybe. But I mean, if everything is in Roth IRA and the compounding effect of that, and um, you know, her daughter is, is, putting a ton of cash. I don't know how long she's going to be in the Marine Corps, but you know, maybe she gets a pension. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, it's a great strategy. And and the fact that her take-home pay might be a little bit lower. Uh, The amount of tax savings you have in low tax brackets is, is fairly minimal. So yeah, I would, I would do that all day. We got a a couple of really good reviews here, Big Al. We did. Yeah. We got um, another one star. Yeah, really? Yes. Okay, what'd they say? It says, great show, no joke. That's the name of the person who wrote in. No. The hosts sure laugh a lot at their own jokes. Unfortunately, not funny at all and distracting. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> well, that's probably true. I think anyway, you I can think all- our jokes are hilarious. You could, you could always go to a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, great show, no joke. All right, well, it's, I guess it's not a great show. No, all right. it's terrible. It is awful. I mean, you know, I think our jokes are hilarious. Yeah, we laugh. I mean, we like to have a good time. We do. Laughter is is like a key to, to, it's, to it's, life. It, it improves your quality of life, and it's it's just good for your stress level, all that. Yeah. Um, at least we don't go on so many tangents as before. Yeah, because of Andy. She yeah. keeps us straighter. Yeah, what was that? It was like, oh, this show's nonsense because they're just talking <laughs> circles. And we, we did. We did do a lot yes, of that. And I, so, right. I agreed with that comment. So, um, you know, we listened to these with, you know, open arms and open minds. And, you know, we, we're, I, we're here to improve. I think in the earlier days, you would say something and then I would repeat it. And then you would repeat my repeat. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really know how to do this. Uh, okay. Was excited. Here's another great review. One star. 
was excited for some deeper dive personal financial podcasts, but hated the write-in questions and also how they dismissed the questions. Example, lowest tax dates to retire in with IRAs, etc. Answered by just reading five lowest property in sales tax, which sounded like it came from Forbes with no further analysis. That was probably you, Big Al. You loved- I, probably, I probably pulled out my list. Huh? <laughs> well, here you go. You love just, <laughs> I got nothing on this. So let me just pull out Forbes. I'm going to read. Let's see what they say. Uh, Florida, uh, <laughs> you know, just read off some states. Um, I don't think, and that, that doesn't surprise me that I might have pulled out a Forbes article. However, I don't think I would have answered states to retire with an IRA with property taxes. That has nothing to do with an IRA. Even I'm not that brain dead yet. Sales tax. Yeah. Um, some general advice with a few minutes of questions at the end would help. Uh, but here, folks, just had a bad attitude about the people writing in. I get it. Those long paragraphs are irritating, but it's part of it. Change your format. Okay. All right. We're going to change the format. No more laughing. <laughs> no more laughing. No more questions. All right. Or, or... Well, a couple one stars. You know, kind of, we got to pick up our game, big Al. Yep. Got to just kind of practice reading <laughs> and get rid of the Forbes articles. And I think we're golden. So, and, and we got, we got one that just sent a picture. It said spotlight. Where are they now? And there's a picture of Herman Munster from the monsters <laughs> TV show that I watched as a kid. And then there's a picture of me. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I never thought of myself as Herman Monster. I don't think you look any. I think he was just because when you were Ron Burgundy for a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. So maybe Herman Munster wore a turtleneck. Well, he didn't in this picture. (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't have two little pins sticking out of the side. And your head is not nearly as big as Herman. It's not flat. No, I don't know. I don't think. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I don't really see the resemblance, yeah. but apparently our listener did. Yeah. You look I, much I, more like Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah. I think it's see, like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Schmidt, Chuck Norris, and Ron Burgundy. <laughs> as long as I wear the turtleneck. <laughs> yes. Gonna bring I tried to bring that back last December. Didn't really catch on. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the, your reviews. Good, bad, or ugly. It's all good. We like your comments. We like your questions. We're here to improve. We're here to make your lives a little bit easier when it comes to your financials. Right. Um, you know, our goal is really to help, you know, people kind of make sense of all of this crazy stuff. Right. It's, we, it, it's complicated. Yeah. We want to have fun while we're doing it. Um, right. So we're not going to change anything. That's how we do it. And if you don't like that, then there's thousands, thousands. of podcasts. Thousands. Let's go for another one. All right. Okay. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Big Al. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Show's Conor Money Well. You can check out that Al versus Herman Munster comparison at the very bottom of the podcast show notes by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app. The full transcript of today's episode will be there within a couple of days. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 
and schedule your free financial assessment at a time and date that works for you no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.